Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Lee Sian. Hi, I'm Lisa Ann. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Oh. Hi, Lisa Hi, it's good to be in this room. This was a regular meeting for me for a long time. A few different times, actually. Um, so welcome if you're new and you didn't raise your hand, and congratulations, and happy birthday. Seven years is great. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm very grateful for this program. And I think I take it for granted because I really don't want to be here. You know what I mean? Most of the time I don't want to be in a meeting of OA or do the things I have to do, you know, to be in recovery from this disease, which, you know, when I, when I really think about it, it just, it, it, you know, actually Ori spoke at a meeting for me recently and um, he talked about how, you know, the isolation and how, you know, the phone can ring and we don't answer it. You know, like when we're in the food, it's like, I am with the food. Like, it's my primary relationship. And it's all that matters. And um, and I will disappear. I disappear. You talked about disappearing. I, I really identify with that. And um, I disappear. And I disappear even when I'm in the room. I'm not with you. I'm in my head. I'm thinking about when I'm going to be home. You know, when I'm going to be alone with my food. And, you know, I raised a son. <laughs> with this going on and I missed a lot of his life I think you know and uh and that's heartbreaking because I can't take that back um but I'm you know and and so I like I said you know I take it for granted because this program what I do in this program gives me a life like I have a huge amazing colorful spiritual connected life you know and um and, and this, you know, another thing that this disease does, even in recovery, is it tries to pull me away from you. You know, it tells me reasons why I don't have to show up. Because, you know, there's always an excuse. And most of the time, I do not listen. You know, I don't listen. But sometimes I do. Sometimes I feel like I deserve a night off because of all that I do, you know. <laughs> and then I want to kill myself by the end of the evening. <laughs> so it never, and it, I swear to you, that happens every time. It's like you think that you learn like, oh, don't do that, because by the end of the night, you're going to want to kill yourself. It happens every time. But that I always think it's a good idea. That's the strange mental phenomenon that parallels my sound reasoning. Because my sound reasoning tells me, no, Lisanne, don't do that. But that strange mental phenomenon wins out, you know, a lot, some of the time. So, um, so you know, and I, I'm in recovery in other programs. And, um, and I just want to be clear that without this one, this is really the foundation. This... You know, what I do in this program, my food plan, you know, the studying of the literature that I do for my sponsor, you know, the people I sponsor in these rooms, um, the cleanness of my food is the foundation of every day. And and really, my food plan (laughs) is the foundation of every day because one of the things that I've come to learn about myself in this program is that there are certain foods that if I put them in my body, they immediately 
I disappear, you know, and I become like a crazy angry girl, you know, because that's how I push you away. And um, once I have those foods in my body, that's what I want that, and I don't want you anymore, you know. So I have to be really careful. And, um, I, you know, my, my abstinence date is um, February 12, 2007, and that's not my first, but it's the one that I have um, now. So I have a little over five years of abstinence. My bottom line is that I don't throw up no matter what because, um, you know, that's a, that's a whole other area of <laughs> illness, you know, like, um, you know, and I really thought when I, when I got abstinent, you know, the first time, I really, you know, I really thought that just stopping throwing up was going to be enough, and it just, it, it has not been. That has not been my story. Um, I, food wasn't a problem for me until I came to this program. It really wasn't, because um, I could eat whatever I want, you know, because of what I did with food. You know, I, I, I could eat, and I would throw it up, and then it didn't matter. It, like, canceled itself out. Once I stopped doing that, food became a problem for me, because I did not know how to eat. I don't know how to eat. And... Um, so I spent, you know, quite a few years in this program being really angry because I wanted to eat what I wanted and not gain weight like I used to, you know. It doesn't work that way. And I was unwilling to let go. So, um, you know, so I had to gain weight and I had to be uncomfortable and I had to be angry and I had to fa- find out through the process of not vomiting a day at a time um, what worked for me and what didn't. And it's taken a long time. And let me tell you, even in abstinence, I, I have picked up foods that don't work for me. And, um, you know, the gift about that is that I really get to see how I'm a Jekyll and Hyde with food. I really am. Like, when I'm when my food's clean, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm, most of the time, I'm happy. Um, I feel good about myself. My, I feel good about my life, which is amazing. I want to, I want to be myself, which is a miracle. Like, I always wanted to be somebody else. Now I just want to be who I am. When I'm sick or whatever, I hate when I don't feel like myself, which I think is so miraculous. Um, but when I'm eating foods that don't work for me, and let me tell you, the road has narrowed. That's another very irritating thing about this program is that Stuff that you could eat, like stuff that I could eat in abstinence before has become problematic because it was safe, and then it was so safe that I wanted to eat it all the time, and then it becomes unsafe, so I can't eat it. Um, But, uh, you know, when I pick those foods up, um, I start to disappear, and I start to get angry, and uh, my life doesn't look so good anymore, and I don't want to be around you people, and I feel like a big old fraud in the rooms of this program. I have nothing to offer anybody. My sponsees are calling for, you know, support and direction, and I'm like, and all I'm thinking is, oh, my God, the next phone, phone call's coming, and I do not want to answer the phone, you know? So, um, clearly, that is not a good place to be. Um, so, what do I want to say? What it was like, um, I grew up in the Valley, San Fernando Valley. I'm a valley girl. And um, and I grew up with, uh, I lived in a family with two alcoholic parents and uh, two older sisters and a younger brother. It just so happens that those two older sisters are alcoholics as well. One in recovery, one in not, one is not. And then my little brother doesn't have any of these afflictions. Like he's 
and he's the weird one. Like, what the hell happened to him? I don't know, but, but something's wrong, seriously wrong with him. Um, he, and he's like, he lives in Murrieta. Like, he tries to, he gets as far away from all of us as he possibly can, you know. He's married. He has two kids. They're happy. I'm like, what's the deal? Like, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Um, I aspire to have <laughs> that. But, um, so, you know, my parents, um, you know, my mom was like the crazy, angry wife of an alcoholic who drank with him to try and keep him home, but he didn't stay home, so she was always mad and chasing him around and, you know. You know, alcoholism is, is it's a family disease, and it just really affects the people, who, even the people who don't drink. I mean, they just go nuts, you know. My mother was cuckoo because she was she could not figure out what the problem was. Like, why are you, she, she was, and she kept trying to make it different, and she just got crazier and crazier. Um, so, um, she, uh, they ended up splitting up when I was about eight, and, um, we went and lived with my mom for a period of time. Now, my mother, uh, she went from living in her, in her family home in New Jersey, Hoboken, New Jersey, with her two parents and her sister, um, to moving in with my father and having children, you know, four children, pretty much one after the other. And then they split up, and she then she lived alone for the first time in her life, and she just went wild. Like she was going out to the bars and drinking, and um, and we were left at home, and uh, and you know she couldn't keep her job, and we were on welfare, and what I remember about that time, um, of course, it's about food. Um, we would get like like. I don't know if it was, like, you know how they have, like, wick, wick, like, you get boxes of food from, like, church or something? We would get these boxes of food, and it was, like, you know, weird cheese and these, I don't even know, but it was weird. It was not good. And um, and I remember my little brother and I used to eat salad sandwiches. We would put lettuce in bread and pour dressing on it and eat those as, as sandwiches. So, um, you know, it was kind of every man for himself. I remember another time my sister made me a grilled cheese sandwich, and uh, and it wasn't right. There was something wrong with it. I just, it didn't, I was, you know, I'm like eight, like cuckoo. It didn't look right to me, and I got mad. See, food has always made me angry. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But I attacked it with my fingers, and it was hot. It was like a grilled cheese, so I burned my fingers on the hot cheese. Um, and... Uh, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, like if I'm going through a drive-thru, do not give me the wrong order because I I will come after you, you know. Um, that's like I get angry if it's not right, you know. It's got to be right. And uh, that has, you know, that, that's pretty much how it is today, too. I like to prepare my own food. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so we lived with my mom for, for a period of time, and... Um, you know, we were eating boxed food, and uh, and then, you know, what happened was she, she was staying out all night, and, you know, my dad was coming to take us every other weekend, and um, I guess one night she, she was out, and a stranger came into our house and did something to my sister. She screamed. He ran out. We were all awake, screaming, crying. My mom came home, and I think my dad found out about that, and, like, the next weekend visit, he just kept us, and, and we lived with my dad. Now, my dad's the alcoholic, the daily drinker. And, um, and he was the better, (laughs) he was the better pick, you know, he was the better, he was the better person for the job. And, and, uh, you know, 
as an adult and as somebody in recovery, my dad's sober today, uh, 25 years, so he's been sober a long time, and he was um, the first member of our family to go to 12-step program, and um, some of us followed along behind him, so he was our example of recovery. And when my dad got sober, that was a huge example to me because my dad drank every single day. Um, I, it was amazing. I remember when he was he was newly sober. I was sitting. I was living with him for a period of time, and um, he would sit in front of the TV at night and shine his shoes and eat grapes. Like he would like obsessively shine his shoes and eat grapes. And I remember asking him years later, I was like, Dad, why were you eating grapes? And he was like, oh, because they tasted like wine to me. <laughs> so he would sit there. It was like, you know, it was like a regular night in front of the TV with a glass of wine, but he was just eating grapes. Um, I just thought that was so funny. But um, so it's kind of like us eating like faux, you know, sweets or whatever, you know, uh, whatever, sugar-free or whatever. Um, so anyway, we lived with my dad, and, um, you know, I had a sister who I, you know, she was like the crazy wild one. And, I, you know, she was such an attraction to me. She was such a free spirit. And she just seemed like she wasn't afraid of anything. And I was afraid of everything. So I kind of followed her around. And um, she and I had like a crazy, you know, toxic relationship for years and years where, you know, she was like the runaway. And then I'd go out and find her and bring her home. And, and uh, you know, I was always trying to take care of her. You know, I kind of made that my role. And, um she got pregnant at one point, and we sent, my dad sent her away to St. Anne's to have her baby and give it up for adoption. And we never went and visited her, and I was really angry about that. And um, she came back for a brief period of time, and then she ran away, and that was the last time she lived with us. And the reason I bring that up is because not long after that, I started to vomit. And I think that, you know... There were so many strategies that I had growing up in that dysfunction and that craziness and, uh, you know, didn't have a mother and, and didn't really have, like, it was every man for himself in my family and just kind of trying to figure out life and having no idea what I was doing and feeling awkward and dorky and, you know, I never remember feeling fat as a kid. I was kind of skinny, actually. I always felt too skinny. I remember my older sister once told me that my knees were too, my, like my knees were really skinny, and I, I swear to God, I never wore shorts or a dress until like 20 years later. Um, so, you know, I was really self-conscious about my body and about, you know, how I looked and how I felt and where I lived. We were like the, the house on, you know, the well-manicured street, and then there was our house with broken windows and weeds growing in the front yard. Um, <clears throat> It's so funny, like, I've, I've seen people that I knew that lived on that street, you know, through reunions and things like that, and they're like, really? Your dad was an alcoholic? Like, really? I'm like, didn't you see our house? Like, we were like the, you know, trailer trash family on the street. Um, so anyway, um, so when Andrea left, uh, not long after, and I'm not, you know, I, I started throwing up, and um, I don't know where the idea came from or why. I remember one time... Um, I was with my boyfriend, and we had just been intimate, and I felt sick to my stomach, <laughs> not because of him, but because of what we had eaten beforehand, and um, and I went and made myself throw up, and that was the first time I did it, and I didn't think, oh, this is, you know, woo, you know, not, it, it just, it was just something that I started to do, and it, it stuck, you know, and so from the time I was like 16 until, you know, well into my 30s, and well into 
sobriety, um, I, I ate and threw up every single day. Every single day. I didn't even drink every day, but I ate and threw up every day. That was it. That was my daily thing. And um, and I, uh, it just became my normal life. It wasn't, I didn't think it was, it's weird. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I mean, I didn't go out talking about it or anything, but it just was what I did. And, you know, I, I, I um, lived with this guy for like four years and, and I did, that was part of what I did. And he didn't, you know, I don't know if he knew or not knew. He never said anything to me about it. Um, you know, I just, it just became part of who I was in my life. And, um, and I remember when I lived in Oxnard for a period of time and I had a friend out there and, um, she and I used to binge together and I don't, I mean, she was really tall and thin and, um, she would eat like crazy, you know, and I think she was more of a restrictor, but I was, you know, I always went and threw up. I don't, I don't know if she did that, but that's what we would do together. We would have these like binge days and we would go out and binge together. And, um, it was just part of my life. Um, so, you know, I, you know, it, it, within all of this, I'm, you know, I'm drinking and using as well. And, uh, and, um, you know, I, I, uh, it was like the late 80s and, um, I started really getting heavily into, um, a certain drug and, uh, and, 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 and just, you know, I was involved with some people that were, you know, like I, I met my, my son's father and, um, you know, we were, so I was living with him and that, that, all, <laughs> that, the, the way that that even unfolded was crazy. I, I dated his roommate first and then he kind of kicked me to the curb and, you know, so I, I, and I did, I wanted to keep doing what I was doing with these people. So I started dating his roommate and then I had a child. So, um, the way that I pick my partners is not the greatest, uh, it's not the greatest, um, but anyway, so I got pregnant, and uh, you know, and, and um, early on in that pregnancy, I was I was throwing up still, and um, and uh, I kind of realized, you know what? I mean, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I don't, why am I doing this? It's ridiculous. So I stopped, but I still drank and used through that entire pregnancy, and um, you know, I, uh, I I used on my due date, and. Um, and I felt so bad. I felt so ashamed, and I felt so um, I could not not do it. It was it was you know, and and I was afraid. You know, I was really afraid. Um, so I was able to not use for ten days, and ten days later, I went into labor and had my son. And um, that was kind of the beginning of the end for me in a lot of areas of my life. That last year, my son. Um, that that. You know, that first year of his life, you know, I drank and used. My His father lost his job. We ended up homeless. We were living in a pop-top VW van. And, um, and you know, I was on AFTC just like my mom. And I was using my, I was using my checks <laughs> to get motel rooms so that we could drink and party and stuff with our friends. And, you know, one of the things I love to do is smoke a lot of pot because pot makes you really hungry or it makes, gives you the munchies. And then binge and throw up um so that was another thing I would do during that period of time and um and then of course there were in the nights when I would cook this huge meal and everybody would come over and they'd be doing drugs that make you not hungry so like I'd make this huge meal and nobody would eat um 
So, so that last year, you know, like I said, homeless, uh, for three months we lived in that van and I, we would go to motel rooms and invite our friends over and stuff. And, um, I had my, my last drink in a motel room in Panorama City. Actually, I go to an OA meeting every, uh, Sunday morning in Panorama City, um, a relapse from recovery meeting, or a recovery from relapse meeting. And um, I, uh, <laughs> it goes both ways, trust me, because I've done both. But um, I drive by that site every Sunday. I drive, by, I drive by the motel, and I drive by the Denny's parking lot that my dad picked us up at. And that's what happened is, um, you know, I was, I was in this room, and it was, you know, my son was 15 months old, and, you know, he was laying on the bed, and, um, his father was out at the bar. He came in. He was angry. Sean was laying on the bed. His diaper was so wet, it was soaked through onto the bed. And I was there the whole time and didn't even notice. And so he was really mad. And he was threatening to take Sean and beat me up and do all this craziness. And the friends I was with calmed him down and got him out. And um, and that, you know, that was my moment where I was just like, I'm done, you know. And that night, I didn't know anything about, like, the first drink, the first drug, whatever. But that next morning I knew, like, if I drink or use, I'm not going to leave. So I took my son and I went and called my father and he came and got us. And um, that was the beginning of my journey in recovery. And, um, and yet, this part of my life did not change for a long time. Um, I went into rehab and I ate and threw up through <laughs> 20 months of rehab. You know, and at one point I actually told them that I had this problem. My counselor um, sent me to an outpatient program, uh, you know, therapy. And I remember at one point I, um, my therapist had me, you know, asked me not, you know, asked me if I could not throw up a day at a time. And so I was trying and I had this calendar and, you know, I X, you know, X the days that I didn't vomit. And um, I had like 20 something days and then, um, and then I just couldn't do it. And, uh. It was too much for me. I, I just could not do it. And I, I, I can't remember how it unfolded that I wasn't, I don't, I don't know if I stopped going to therapy, but I just, you know, and, and people would be watching me, so I'd have to be slick and find the, you know, find the bathroom off the, and, you know, people would be watching me after meals, so I'd have to figure it all out. It was very strategic. And, um, and you know, and so I went through that program. I got, I stayed sober. I left there. Um, I had a job, and a, I got to go to school while I was there and learn, learn how to use computers. And I got a job, and you know, and I left there. You know, I had this. He, Sean was three at the time. I had no idea what the hell I was supposed to do with this kid. No idea. Um, being a mother has been one of the hardest things. Um, you know, it's painful because, you know, I worry about him and I, I don't want I, I don't, you know, I don't want to care about anybody. Caring hurts, you know. So um, it was it was really hard. And I, and I think that, you know, my detachment through my bulimic behavior and my binging and my obsession with food and body was really protected me from feeling all those feelings. You know, it was way, way, way too much for me. Um so, you know, I had, you know, I, I lived, you know, I had a roommate and I started going to, you know, 12-step meetings and, um, you know, and I lived that life, um, you know, I, like things got better in certain areas of my life, like um, my jobs got better and 
um, I, you know, well, I got into this relationship, and uh, that was that was a whole other distraction. So um, th- those I don't do well either, it, it turns out. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I, I got into recovery, and I got sober, and even though I was still binging and throwing up, I had this idea like, oh, you know, I can live, like, I can do life because I'm not drinking. But that's not my problem. Drinking's not my problem. Living, like, not knowing how to live is my problem. Not knowing how to navigate life is my problem. And so, you know, I started doing things in 12-step recovery, but I was still eating and throwing up every day. And, uh, and so I, um, when I was about eight years sober, and I started to get scared that I was going to die. I saw a movie or something about a girl that had a heart attack or, I don't know, some bulimic, you know, horror story. And I started getting scared that, you know, I, I guess I started wanting to live, you know. So um, I told somebody what I was doing, and, um, and, and I think I came to my first OA meeting after that and I didn't really want to be in OA it was in the other you know the 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 beverage program and I um you know there's some there's there's something kind of cool about being in AA you know um you know everybody's lighting things on fire and crashing cars and you know you know I guess that can happen you know if you're eating in your car you know Uh, one of my sponsees actually got a ticket for eating in her car because she didn't have any of her hands on the wheel (laughs) so awesome was a good one. Um, but, yeah, there's there's just, not, you know, there's nothing cool about being in OA to me. You know, it's like me and my bag of cookies, you know, we're, we're like on the couch. It's like my boyfriend cookies, you know what I mean? It's really sad. You know, and, and I treat my food just like I treat my relationships because I go and throw it up later. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hopefully that's changed in a, in recovery. But anyway, um, so I was in this relationship for a long time, and um, it was just, you know, it was it was really, you know, of course, early on in relationships, it's all you know, sunshine and roses and laughter and yumminess. This is just my experience. And then um, and then somewhere along the line, I'm like, okay, this is not right. And then I'm trying to figure out how to fix it for 20 years. You know what I mean? And it's just a waste of everybody's time. But you can't leave and you can't stay. You know what I mean? So it's this whole thing of going on. And um, and so um, so I had that distraction. I'm eating. I'm vomiting. I'm, you know, shutting all the windows and doors and not answering the phones and going to meetings and, you know, doing commitments and looking like I'm sober and just a, a freaking nightmare from hell. And then I stopped vomiting. And then the real excitement, you know, happened. Although what happened in the early part, when I first stopped throwing up, what I started to do is diet. So I started obsessively dieting. And, um, you know, and that worked for a long time. And then it stopped working. And then I was throwing up again. So I went through. And then, and then I landed in OA because I realized that dieting was just a whole other area of sickness for me that obsession with my body and my weight and what I'm eating and not eating and I can I can live my whole life thinking about that and not being with you you know like my whole life can be lived in my head where it looks like I'm here but I'm so not here I'm not and um so I came to OA and um had to give it all up you know just had to give it all up my ideas about what 
I think I know about food and, you know, weight and body and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, it was a long struggle. And, you know, I've relapsed quite a few times here. And, um, you know, I've had sponsorship. Leslie sponsored me a couple times in this program. And, you know, and, and the, you know, if you're new, get a sponsor because the things that I have learned, I've learned something special from every sponsor that I've had. And um, they're, they're tools that I've carried with me in my recovery. One of the greatest things that I learned from Leslie was, you know, when, I, you know, when you're bulimic and you come in and you stop vomiting, you gain weight. You can't not because you don't know how to eat. And if there's a process that you go through. And I would, I would be suicidal every day calling her because my clothes didn't fit me and I was, cr- like, I wanted to kill myself. And she's like, well, just buy some clothes that fit you. And I was like, what? You know, like, and I swear to God, I have, I have, you know, been at a comfortable weight in this program, in recovery, in abstinence, and I've gained weight in abstinence in this program because for me as a bulimic, gaining weight and not hating myself is a huge part of my recovery. Being able to have weight on my body and not hating and loathing myself is a huge part. And I've had to buy clothes that fit my body. And let me tell you, when I'm wearing clothes that fit my body, I don't hate myself. It is a miracle. All it takes is wearing a pair of pants that fits, you know? So I just think that's so miraculous. And um, so, you know, I, I, I've worked the steps here, and I've, you know, I've come to lots of meetings, and I've been of service, and um, and uh, I've, I've had recovery, and I've relapsed, you know? I, I got married at one point. Um, I met a guy... Um, it's so funny. He was he was actually in my home my AA home group, and I'd never seen him before. Never in like you know, fourteen years that I'd been there, never noticed him. My home group's really big, I have to say, but still, you know. So I started going to um, the sister program, Al-Anon, and I I met him there, and um, and he was also in the sister program of this program, CEA How. So he's in three programs, and I was in three programs. So you think, oh, recovery abounds. No, that's not <laughs> what happened. But um, we, we really gave it a good shot. Um, <laughs> you know, there can be other areas that are not being looked at when you're in recovery. And, and, and if, you, if any area is in darkness, man, it's going to come out in your relationships. And that's kind of what happened. And you know, and I had to have him, had to have him. I could not say no. Even though everything in my body was screaming no, I couldn't not do it. So I married him. And, um, you know, and, and I, you know, it was a very painful experience. I moved from L.A. to Florida for 11 months. Um, you know, I lost my abstinence while I was out there and um, started vomiting again. And, um, you know, I left all of my recovery people here like I you know I have a huge family of recovery here in in three programs you know I have so many people that you know love me thank you that love me and that um, I love and that support me and that I get so you know that I get my God connection through and I left all of that here and then I dragged my son one more time you know through one of mommy's you know whatever distractions but um but and, and and it was painful and it was hard and and um and I never thought that I would look back on that as a gift in my life, but it was. It was a gift in many many ways. 
um, one of the greatest gifts was that I met a woman out there in OA who taught me how to eat. She taught me the food plan that I use today, and it is the first time I've ever felt abstinent, like felt clear, clean, no obsession, no obsession with body, just like I can, I can have a meal and then live my life and have a meal and live my life and not think about food in between. That is a miracle. That is a miracle. And the other thing was that through that relationship, it forced me to um, <laughs> shine a big, bright, shiny spotlight on that area of my life, love and sex. And, uh, and I did a really thorough, thorough inventory on all of my relationships um, and, uh, and learned a lot of things about myself. I learned how I don't value I never valued relationships. I never valued yours. I never valued mine. You know, I just want you to, you know, bring it, whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but you're supposed to have it and bring it, and then my life's supposed to get better, you know? And, and you know, and that's an unreasonable demand to ask of anybody, you know? Um, but that's what I did. You know, I didn't go into relationships for a partnership or any of that. I may have thought that's what I was doing. That may have been my desire, but it's certainly not what I did. And um, and that hurts people. You know, I've, I've hurt many people. Everybody that came to my wedding and brought me gifts, you know what I mean? Like, the, the wedding lasted 11 months. Um, and, uh, and my son, who I dragged through that, and, uh, you know, um, that man that I, you know, tortured, another tortured soul that I, um, you know, just took to the mat. But, um, you know, I learned a lot of valuable lessons, and um, I've become a different woman because of it. And um, I've learned a lot about what relationships are and what they entail, and that's probably why I'm not in one right now, because it takes a lot. It takes a lot of unselfishness, and it takes a lot of, um, you know, just get, it's, it's, it's an exchange of mutual need. And, um, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm there. I think I'm ready, but, um, I'm waiting for God to reveal that to me. So, um, you know, I, I work this program pretty diligently and I sponsor a few women and I have a sponsor and I have a structured food plan that I, you know, I commit my food every morning and I, um, I weigh and measure my food because that's what works for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but that's what—that's where I get my freedom, and um, I'm grateful for it. Um, and that doesn't mean that I don't dabble. Like this, you know, I'm buying a condo right now, which is so weird. I, I never thought I would do that. Um, and you know, there's some difficulties in it, and so there's a lot of waiting. Like when you're in escrow, there's like you wait a lot. Like wait, wait, wait. And I don't like to wait. It makes me really uncomfortable not knowing what's going to happen next. So, you know, I had, a, I had like two snacks yesterday, and I don't eat snacks in between my meals. I had some string cheese after work, and then I had like a, an ounce of cheddar cheese later after dinner, which isn't a big deal. It's not. But it's unusual for me to do that. And because it's unusual for me to do that, I need to look at it because I do not want to eat. I do not want to be separated from you guys like that. Um, so I told my sponsor about it today, and... Um, She's like, you know, my phone's always on. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I hate making phone calls. I'll take phone calls, but I hate making phone calls. Um, so, you know, so I have to be really honest about what I'm eating and what I'm doing with food. 
because my thinking tells me, like, my disease has a, you know, it, its voice is very, you know, like, it's okay, Lisanne, you deserve it. You know what I mean? Like, it's very loving. And then later I want to stab myself, you know, because I give in to it. Because um, it's not a loving voice. It's not a loving action. My loving action is to stick to my food plan every day. Um, you know, I really study the AA literature. I get up four, four mornings a week, and I do reading and writing for my sponsor, and I have my sponsees do that as well. And let me tell you, I have had such amazing, like, I mean, I've, I've been, in, you know, I've been uh, in, in the rooms for a long time, and I've read this literature, but when you do it slowly and deeply, it's a totally different experience. I'm like, every sentence I'm stopping and writing like a page, you know. Um, I've learned so many things about, you know, who I am, you know, what my disease looks like, um, you know, who I've been and who I want to be, you know. And um, I don't do this perfectly. You know, I'm really, deep in my core of my being, I'm a very selfish, self-centered person. You know, I, I really, my, I think that I would do well on my own, you know. And one of the things that says in the AA 12 and 12 is that, you know, that this, our disease bleeds us of all self-sufficiency when it comes to food. And yet, I've been bled of all self-sufficiency, and I still try to live self-sufficiently. I still rely on self all the time. And I just think that's astounding. And that sentence has been there for the 21 years I've been in recovery. And I, I think that's the first time I've ever seen it. It was last week. I was like, wow. Um, so I have to work really hard. And the diligence and the structure of my morning is the foundation of my day. And, um, and, and it, it connects me with, with God and my sponsees and my sponsor. And that is my connection to God. You know, it's like what I do in this program connects me to God. Um, you know, my life is so different, even from five years ago, you know. And uh, I'm really, really grateful for my recovery in this program. Like I said, it's the foundation of every day. If I'm, if I'm in the food, I have no life. I, I disappear. So, um <clears throat> I'm really grateful, and if you're new, please stay. Get a sponsor. Get some friends. It's a great program. Thanks. <laughs> Anybody have any questions? It's freaking hot in here. Oh, thank you. How is my, um, how is my relationship with my son changed, and um, how is my relationship with him today? Um, God. Well, w- when I came back from that Florida trip... <laughs> It was a marriage, but it really was just kind of a trip. Um, uh, I had a moment of clarity with my son. He, we were. This always makes me cry. He was 16 at the time. He was standing in his room. He was. He was actually leaning over, getting something out of his closet, and he stood up. And I was like, he was six two, and like 200 pounds. And I felt like it was the first time I saw him. And I was like, oh my god, I was supposed to be raising a man this whole time. He's a man now, and I hadn't been doing that. So, um, you know, that was one of the gifts of that whole situation is that I got to see myself as a mother and see how I placed so many other things ahead of him. And um, although he had everything he needed except for me, he didn't have me. So he got me after that. And um, he was a senior in high school, and um, he was struggling in school. My son has learning disabilities, I'm sure, based on that drinking and using that I did. Um, the one thing that I will always regret, even though we don't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it, I will always regret that, um, but I don't live in that regret. Um, so I changed my whole meeting schedule. 
I started staying home during the weeknights and um, was helped him with his homework, made sure he got done what he needed to get done. There are certain things you have to hit when you're in a senior in high school. You have to get certain things done and, you know, do certain things. And so I made sure that all that stuff happened. And we started having a date night. Um, and he was in Alateen, my son, so he's a member of Alateen, and that was really good for him. And, um, you know, today he's 22. He has a job. He still lives with me. Um, and we are really close, and we have a great relationship. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to end with this, but so recently my food started getting messy again. And uh, my son, of course, has lived with me for years and has seen me Jekyll and Hyde. And um, <laughs> one night, you know, I was like, I was like, hey, you know, because we used to always have, like, picnics, you know, when I was in the food, we'd have picnics. And, um, and uh, I go, hey, you want to go to Tito's? And he goes, yeah. This was like this was like two or three months ago, right? This, and Tito's is always like the doorway out for me. Like that's an indication I'm on my way out. And he goes, yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, let me think about it. And a couple minutes later, he goes, Mom, are you sure you want to do that? Because you always get really unhappy when your food's not right. And I was like... I just went and hugged him, you know. He knows me that well, you know. He's like the only person that knows me in all ways. But um, and that and I and we didn't, and that was and I got back on track right after that. My son was like the voice of God, you know. You get really unhappy when you're not, you when your food's not clean. So um, we support each other and we love each other, and uh, it's a good life. Thank you so much.